Welcome to Trip Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. FIDO is no longer relegated to the checked luggage section on planes. In growing numbers, dogs and cats are allowed in the plane cabin as emotional support animals. But some airlines aren't sure that all human passengers are playing by the rules, and that's what we're talking about today on Trip Talk. What's allowed? What? Uh, when it comes to taking animals onto planes and the line between what's legal and what's not. And joining me on the Google Hangout today is uh, Debbie Carr. She is Executive Director of Therapy Animals of Utah. It's a, a nonprofit that promotes animal-assisted therapy for physical, mental, and emotional healing. And she's here in the newsroom with her furry friend, uh, Debbie. I, don't, I didn't get the, your dog's name there. His name is Mr. Parker. Mr. Parker. Uh, Debbie Carr with Mr. Parker and welcome. Thank you so much for your time today. You're sure welcome. Also with the Salt Lake Tribune reporter Lee Davidson and you can find his story about support animals on commercial flights on the website right here at sltrib.com. Lee, great to have you. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. And you can join us. Have you taken a pet on a plane? Or have you flown next to someone with a, a lap dog or a lap cat? And do you mm -hmm. think that dogs and cats should be allowed as lap passengers? And what should the rules be? You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comment section right here at sltrib.com. Or you can text us. And that number is 801 609 8059. Um, animals in plane cabins. Lee Davidson, what got you thinking about this issue? Well, I have a wife who works for an airline, and I talked to a lot of people who were wondering about um, increasing numbers of animals on planes and uh, if people are playing by the rules or not. Um, our story used the Freedom of Information Act to get documents from the government that shows a lot of airlines are concerned that people are not playing by the rules that uh, they're trying to avoid fees for pets by essentially trying to have their animals or pets declared emotional support animals or service animals. An emotional support animal essentially um, is an animal that someone with a mental disability or illness needs to help calm them during a flight. They need a letter from a doctor or a mental health professional certifying that they need this animal. and there are some mail order and online companies that for a fee will send you this letter. Um, many airlines worried that they essentially were bogus companies. Um, for a time, the US Department of Transportation allowed them to not accept these letters. However, they have reversed course and now they must accept them. Debbie, maybe you can expand a little bit on the definitions because not all animals are, are categorized in the same way. They're not seen the same way under the law. So can you define for us what a service animal is? Um, maybe embellish a bit on what Lee just said. Uh, a service animal is an animal that performs service for a person with a disability. Um, in effect, they're almost a part of that person's adaptive equipment. Um, so, by law, a service animal has to be able to perform three specific tasks for the person who has a disability that that person cannot do for themselves. Um, such as? Such as picking up things from the floor, opening doors, um, alerting for sounds, uh, 
a seeing eye dog as a service animal because he performs things for a person with a disability that they can't do for themselves. So taking a service animal away from a person with a disability would be like taking away uh, a person's uh, cane or their hearing aid or their wheelchair because they really do need this animal to be able to be as independent as possible within their disability. And the service animal itself has is trained almost from birth, right? I mean, they, they, these are very, very tightly regulated um, dogs. They're not a range of animals. They have to be specific breeds, and they have to be trained for X number of months or years. I mean, can you kind of spell out what a service dog has to go through to become a service dog? Service animals have to go through a period of socialization so that they're calm and can stay focused on their job when they're when they're out in the community because um, the Americans with Disabilities Act protects these dogs as as part of of the service uh, of the person with disabilities um, adaptive equipment so to speak and so they need to go everywhere with that person with a disability so these animals are trained to be calm and focused even in very complex situations um, and some some dogs, like guide dogs, are raised um, early early by puppy raisers, and then they go in for training. Some dogs are rescued from from shelters, and they go with their with their person um, for specific training. But they have to be very very well mannered animals, and they are really focused on their handler because they're performing for their handler. And that's why we're not supposed to touch service animals or distract them because that's their job is is focusing on their person all the time and, and so the service animal is very different from a therapy animal there's there's a difference there right right our therapy animals are people that are, are dogs that work with their handlers and they go visit people in in hospitals and nursing homes and mental health facilities they work with therapists on individual client goals but their focus is on the person that they're visiting, not on their handler. Their handler stays connected with them um, by touch or by signal, um, but the therapy dog is supposed to, to focus on the person they're visiting, and that's why we're supposed to pet therapy dogs, but we're not supposed to pet service animals. Therapy dogs are supposed to be focused on other people. Okay, and so then there's this third category that we've been talking about a little bit, the emotional support animal. Is that different from a service animal? Is it different from a therapy animal? Right. There's not, there's not very much um, uh, certification requirements or training requirements for emotional support animals. Their job, again, is to be focused on their person that they're supporting, but um, they're not given free access um, because they don't, they're, they're not trained to the point that service dogs are and they don't have to perform specific tasks for the person that they're supporting emotionally. But animals can support us all emotionally, um, but still emotional support animals provide a very important service for people who have mental illness. Hmm. Okay, so Lee, the concern here is from airlines, and as I understand it, the FAA doesn't set down these rules. Uh, um, according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, a service animal, there's no question that they can go on, but the, the airlines themselves have some leeway 
um, when it comes to emotional support animals. Is that right? That's, That's right. There's a different law called the Air Carrier Access Act that uh, governs mostly uh, emotional support animals and what they can take on the plane. Um, if someone has a letter from a mental health professional or a doctor saying that they need this animal, um, airlines generally have to accept it unless uh, the animal is not behaving well uh, and presents a risk to someone in the airline's opinion. Uh, for a while, airlines were fighting some companies that were essentially prescribing online or by mail for a fee it's generally about $165. Uh, you could take a test online and then they would call you on the phone and or by Skype and prescribe your letter. Uh, airlines were essentially saying how can you treat someone living in a different country or a different state and were trying to see if they could not accept these letters. Mm -hmm. Talking about animals on airplanes and uh, what's allowed, what's not when it comes to pet companions on flights. And if you've got a story to share, thoughts on the topic, send them along to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the, our comment section at sltrib.com. You can also text us. The number again, 801-609-8059. So, um, so how, how widespread is this according to the documents that you got through the open records request, Lee? Um, you, found, you named a, a few companies in your story, but I'm just wondering, is this a, a problem here in Utah? Is it a problem that the entire industry is, is concerned about? The documents show that several airlines were concerned about it. Um, some of them were kind of funny. Uh, there was a letter from Air New Zealand saying that they had a passenger from Great Britain who was claiming to be treated by a doctor in Colorado and they said on its face that doesn't seem like it should be possible. And um, Department of Transportation said um, you don't have to take uh, a letter from this particular company at that time but uh, the person who ran that company ran a second company with a different name, same address they were told they had to take that letter but not the other one. Over time, Department of Transportation decided that essentially you have to take them all as long as it appears that they aren't guaranteed an automatic prescription letter, that there's a possibility that these doctors might turn them down. Mm. So the, the, these mail order doctor's notes, I mean, I, uh, Debbie, I suppose the fear for animal companion advocates is that a few bad apples could could endanger the emotional support animals for those who really need them. I agree with that, you know, and they can also endanger the, the rights of people who need a service animal. Um, I get calls at Therapy Animals of Utah every single day, at least once or twice, about service and, their, and emotional support animals and the confusion between the two. And, and I also um, encourage the people to make sure that whatever they get, it's an animal with good training so that they don't shut the doors for people who really, really need these animal services. Hmm. I might add that airlines are also have that same concern. They say there are a lot of people who legitimately need an emotional support animal and they don't want uh, confusion over these other folks to interfere with that. Also might add that uh, they're concerned about some companies that for a fee will let you 
have your dog registered as a service animal and they'll send you a vest and um, supposedly that makes your your pet automatically a, a service animal. Uh, airlines have concern about that. By law they can't ask someone if they're disabled but they can ask folks what their dog has been trained, how their dog has been trained to assist them and use that sort of information to figure out if it's a legitimate service animal or an emotional support animal. Mm, so, Debbie, there's not exactly, um, I guess, uh, a universal certificate or something that you could show to say, no, this really is my emotional support animal and this is a legitimate doctor. I mean, we're not to that point yet. As far as I know, we are not, and that is something that most of the people in, in the assistance and therapy animal community are just looking to our legislators to, to take a good good strong look at this and 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 make some of those those laws to support our animals in the different jobs that they do. Hmm. I want to get to some of the comments that were are coming in. Here's a text, um, a texter from Salt Lake City. Uh, what if you're so scared of animals, um, more dogs uh, and, and dogs, what about my rights? I will never fly with a loose dog. Um, so I guess there's that concern about safety too, but if, if an animal is truly trained, they would never attack or never um, harm somebody. Their job is to, to help. So, I mean, Debbie, how do you soothe the, um, the fears of, of, of flyers who say, you know, there's this animal and I'm scared of it? That's correct. And, and um, there are uh, opinions that if you look at service dog regulations to uh, acknowledge the, the fears of a person who may have a phobia of animals, and it's very true, doesn't take away the right of a person who needs a service animal to survive. But in that case, the person um, in charge of that area of the public access is supposed to separate those two people so that the person who is afraid of the animal sits in a different part of the school or the airplane or wherever it is and the person with the service service animal um, is in a different place so that the rights of both of those people are respected. Hmm. Uh, here's another text. Um, what about allergies? Uh, so if, if there are animals on the plane um, and there's a, a need of one and a need of another. I mean, they're both legitimate medical concerns. How do you sort of balance that out? Uh, Lee, were there, was there anything in the documents about how airlines are accommodating all sorts of people? It varies by airline, but the Air Carrier Access Act uh, gives priority to someone who's disabled. Uh, if someone has an allergy, they aren't considered disabled unless it rises to the uh, level of threatening their life. So mm -hmm. essentially the person with the allergy gets to move. Uh, airlines normally try to accommodate them, move them to a different part of the uh, aircraft. Uh, what about uh, a container? If I really feel like I need to have my animal with me in the cabin, um, what about requiring that animal to be contained um, in a place where it won't be with others. I guess, you know, why, why is the lap necessary? Um, Debbie, your thoughts on that? Well, it's usually the contact with the animal 
that makes the most difference when people are, are experiencing the physiological effects of being with a calm, responsive dog. It's that touch, um, feeling their breathing, um, things like that that really, really help people relax. It reduces their blood pressure. It reduces their stress hormones. It helps them feel much more calm when they're able to touch the animal. Um, many animals can be carried in, in a kind of carrier that their little head sticks out, so that that could be an option. Mm -hmm. I might yes, mention that uh, one of the things airlines are worried about is they think some people scan the system because they have a dog that won't fit in a carrier under a seat and so that's why they try to claim that it's an emotional support animal because it's too big for that space so that they're forced to accommodate it. When you look at the airline guidelines, are there set rules uh, in terms of how big a dog can be? Uh, specific breeds that are allowed and maybe breeds that are not? What about cats? What about birds? I mean, uh, what, is, what is the range and uh, can you give us a sample from the different airlines? What are they thinking? Well, it varies air, airline to airline, but uh, for pets, real pets, most airlines require them to fit in a carrier that fits under the seat in front of you. Hmm. For an emotional support animal, uh, it can sit on your lap or under your feet. Um, Airlines are able to ban certain types of animals, such as reptiles or rodents. So if you claim that you have an emotional support animal that's maybe a guinea pig, but that airline doesn't take rodents, they don't have to take that one. Um, however, there have been um, birds that have wings clipped that are emotional support animals. Um, I've heard of pigs, for example, being taken on a plane as an emotional support animal. Hmm. Getting uh, some other responses here. Let's see. Um, this is from Valerie Lambees. Um, I probably could have had my small dog registered as a therapy animal. I, I suffer from depression and my little guy brings a lot of joy into my life, but I function without him as well. He does not go to work with me. I don't bring him into shops, etc. So to me, it would be dishonest to get him certified. That said, I think the airlines bring a lot of this upon themselves. And uh, she continues, my last flight from, flight from Salt Lake City to Denver was uh, 130 for me and 150 for my dog. It would have been cheaper to buy him a seat, but that isn't allowed. That makes it very tempting to call him a therapy animal. Did you see some of those types of complaints, Lee, in the documents that you looked at? Like, well, you know, they're not making it very easy, um, so it makes people think, well, if it's cheaper, if it's more convenient for me to get this certified as a therapy dog, maybe I should just go ahead and do that. Well, that's what airlines worry that people are doing, uh, that maybe their pet's too big to fit in a normal space or it's simply cheaper to have it declared an emotional support animal. But as they point out, it, it hurts the people who legitimately need an emotional support animal, especially if people are taking on animals that are not well behaved, um, that cause a ruckus. They, they can refuse to take them, but it opens up the airline to possible complaints, lawsuits, etc. So they have to be very careful. Uh, there have been a variety of incidents of like a passenger falling asleep with an emotional support animal, supposed emotional support animal on their lap that gets loose, runs around, urinates on other passengers, 
causes problems that way. So, mm. uh, Debbie, what's what's the answer from your viewpoint? I mean, uh, should there be one standard that all airlines abide by? Should the FAA sort of step into this a little bit more? What would what would make um, passengers on the whole range of viewpoints feel more comfortable with these emotional support animals? I think there needs to be a conversation um, and include the people who who work with therapy animals. It's not that our animals are given, you know, as therapy animals, our animals are not given um, public access uh, unless we're invited. However, we have some um, we we have some very strict regu regulations that we have to follow to keep our animals registered as therapy animals. For example, we have to be holding the leash at all times. Our animals are never off leash when they're when they're working, um, and uh, we can lose our registration and our insurance if um, if we drop the leash, if if we tie the leash to um, objects or people, if we act in an unsafe manner, if we are unkind to our animals or unkind to the people that we're serving. And we can also uh, lose our registration and our insurance if we try to pass our therapy off, therapy animal off as a service or an emotional support animal. So a conversation that includes the therapy animal registration people like pet partners um, would, would be an important part of, of building um, solid and thoughtful regulations to kind of regulate how emotional support animals and service animals fit in our society. They have so much to offer us, but people need to have some integrity. And if they don't have integrity, then there needs to be some regulation. Lee, because so much was left up to the, the individual airlines, are airlines trying to crack down on these sort of mail order doctor note companies? They try. Um, however, the uh, Department of Transportation essentially told them that they need to accept these letters. Um, one of the letters that we saw in the documents was from an airline saying, we still think people are scamming the system. What can we do? Department of Transportation essentially said, well, you can ask a passenger what their dog is trained to do, how it assists them, and if the dog is presenting some sort of risk, you can refuse it. And that's what the law allows, and so that's what you have to live with. They must accept these letters from the apparent mail order companies. Unless the dog's causing a ruckus. or something. Right, right, right. Uh, um, you found that the, the airlines weren't too excited to talk about the, their actions. And, and in fact, I invited a couple of airline representatives to join this conversation today, um, and I didn't get a response. W what, uh, what kind of feedback did you get from the airlines in, in your reporting? Um, well, most of our reporting was done through documents, so we could see what they were writing to the Department of Transportation. Uh, airlines themselves weren't um, anxious to talk about it. I talked to an association that represents airlines and got a very terse statement from them saying, we have to trust our passengers and uh, we try to help them with what they say they need. So it comes down to trust and uh, Debbie, I guess that's the core of your business too. <laughs> well, trust and integrity. I think it comes down to integrity of your passengers and realizing that their actions 
um, may affect people who have really emotional needs and needs for service. And that's, that's the core, is integrity. Well, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Debbie Carr, da uh, Lee Davidson, thank you both very much for your time today. Thank you, Jennifer. And again, you can check out Lee's story. It's titled, Support Pets on Commercial Flights, Legitimate or Scam? And that's right here at sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks for tuning in to Trib Talk today. We'll see you next time.